When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. is recording so now i know we're recording that's how they do in the biz man they <laughs> you know, from five and then quiet they go but i couldn't see the fingers so you did a bad job i figured you were counting in your head <laughs> all right everyone uh welcome to orange and brew the podcast where we've married our two favorite pastimes the denver broncos and beer i am jt matthews and you can find me at jt matthews 01 on twitter i'm here with the doctor nicholas manning uh, at in Manning PO on Twitter. Uh, and we are joined by special guest JR uh, Joey. It's Richards, right? Yep, that's last name. I wasn't sure if it was Richards. Sometimes it's like Richard, you know, you never know. Oh, yeah, there's Richards, Richard, Richardson. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Joey Richards, uh, you can find him on Twitter at JR Drafts. He's a great follow. Uh, in depth draft analysis is kind of his thing. Uh, and we appreciate you being here. I appreciate you guys having me. I appreciate you being here in the, the virtual space, so to speak. I love it. <laughs> uh, today we're going to talk Senior Bowl. Uh, let's break down some positional groups. Let's just kind of go through uh, some of the guys who have been making a splash, maybe some uh, individuals you think that the Broncos could target based on coaching scheme or or just guys that you like. Um First, but before we do that, how's everyone doing? Uh, Joey, how you doing? How's life? Everything's good. This is my favorite time of the year. I love the draft. I love everything like this. So yeah. I'm enjoying it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like a nice little, uh, since, especially since the combine is going to be, I, I mean, I don't even know what it's going to be really, but uh, you know, it's, it's nice to have some, some actual football to watch that uh, will prepare us for, for draft time. Oh, for sure. For sure. And yeah, Joe was uh, just, Joe was excited to get from like through the season. He's like, I really, I don't care what happens. Like, I just, I'm ready for draft time. Draft yeah. Time. You're, you're kind of right. It's weird. Um, <laughs> I do. Hey man, I dig it. I think that I find the off season so much, you know, just as exciting as, as watching the games build that. Right. It's like, right. of the car is, is almost as fun, if not more fun than, than driving the car, you know? Mm-hmm. No, yeah, it's that one time of the year where like that mystery sets in, and it's like, okay, we do have a shot, you know. It's that hopeful period, that whole time where anything could happen. Yeah, there was a. Did either of you play? There was a. Uh, I think it was a PlayStation Three game just called NFL Draft. Yes, I loved yes. that game. Oh, I love that game, but I was, I was literally the worst at it because I, I, I still struggle with like cap stuff and like trying to to do contracts and stuff like that i was i was awful yeah. but i always loved it like i would play it over and over and just do like basically just do like one seasons yeah. uh one season run throughs because past that it was like your cap is unmanageable right okay <laughs> i remember so i'm gonna date myself here so i think it was madden 
geez, it's like 95, 96. It was like the first time that they had the cap in the game where you could like trade players. Yeah. I thought that was like overly exciting. And I, I went from like trying to create super teams to like trying to create the all budget team. But, like <laughs> a really good team of a really bunch of cheap dudes. You know, that was like when I, when I found out how much more I love or how much I love the process of, of creating a team or building a team. Cause it, you know, there's not just a, you know, and maybe Jared, maybe you find this too, right? So it's like the draft is exciting, but it's also exciting to see your plan execute, right? Like getting the guys or the, or the guy where you want him and you have to be able to read every other team, right. And their strategy and how they're looking at the board to be able to get your guy where you want to get them. Right. It's not just, I like these 12 guys and we're going to, I get these 12 guys, right? I mean, there's a, you know, really you probably, your draft board is probably like 50 guys, you know, and to be able to get those in seven rounds, right? When everyone else maybe wants the same guys or is trying to read the same, you know, the same scheme or the same board through the point system, I think is just, you know, it's gambling at its finest, right? It's a little bit of a, of NFL roulette, if you will. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, uh, maybe that's why it appeals to me. I like to lose money, apparently, uh, based on my, <laughs> my sports betting uh, record lately. That's true. I, I like, I bet on Jokic to get over 22 points the other day. He got 21, and I was, he didn't play the fourth quarter, and I was just like, man. Yeah. I tried they to really, that. they really screwed me there. But uh, I tried to do yeah, that. DraftKings. It's not, I, I never hit on it. I had to stop. It was not fun for me, it wasn't good. Especially for basketball, yeah. it's hard to predict every single night. There's so much inconsistency night to night. It's true. It's true. Uh, I love the NBA, but it is uh, it can be fickle sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's let's jump into some senior bowl uh, analysis, uh, so to speak. So we're on uh, today is day is today day four. Uh, day yeah, three. It's day four. Day four. That's what I thought. Um, and some guys have been standing out. I just kind of want to go through position groups and get your take on some guys. And you can throw in uh, guys that probably I'm not even aware of or um, haven't had time to do some homework on. Um, and I think we start naturally at the quarterback position. Um, and kind of my takeaway is that there's not a ton of uh, exciting prospects at the quarterback position uh, outside of maybe uh, Mac Jones. Um, but even I think there's uh, the the jury is out on him as well yeah for sure um yeah mac jones down there making himself some money right now i think uh i think in this draft you can see the all four of the quarterbacks go really early the big quarterbacks at least so it's going to push mac jones up a bit um and it's kind of hard to evaluate some of the quarterbacks at the senior bowl always because these are guys that have no chemistry at all they're kind of just meeting each other for the first time and they're they're over there, uh, you know, timing routes, all this other stuff that takes practice. So, but yeah, I think Mac Jones is uh, making himself some money. I really do. He's, he hasn't, he hasn't, he's, I mean, I don't know if you guys are watching any of the team drills or anything or the red zone drills, but the man refused to throw an interception. If it's a one-on-one drill and he's running into the end zone, if the guy's not open, he's not going to screw it up. So as long as he plays it safe, like he is right now, he, he's going to make himself some money this year in this draft. He's 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 like Andy Dalton to me. He is, you know, he's and, and and I think that there's some, I think that there's some, 
maybe some confidence that you can get from that or some security you can get from that. Right. I think the game manager term gets thrown out as a, as a negative, right. It's like a a shot at a guy, like he's just a game manager in the end. That's a a ton of just what playing that position is, right. Is just, is making the smart play and putting your team in the position to score points. If you have good talent around you and you get them the ball with an opportunity to make a play, you're going to score points. It's just the game, right. That's why good point guards in the NBA are distributors first, right. Setting guys up. I mean, that's the, it's kind of the crux of it. You're managing the game. It's not necessarily, you got to go score 40 a game to win from that position. You have to be able to get other people involved. So, you know, I'm not, I don't know if I'm a Mac Jones guy, say that, but, um, but I think in the right system, I, I agree with you. I think he's going to make himself some money. I think that there's going to be some teams that really appreciate the steadiness, right? The maturity, the predictability that he brings, uh, you know, and, and and for people that say there's not much upside there, why not, right? I mean, most people thought that there was no upside with Tom Brady when he got drafted. Based mm-hmm. on limited physical, um, you know, characteristics. So, um, that I would necessarily pick Mac Jones at number nine because I wouldn't. But, <laughs> um, but I think he's a guy that, you know, might be able to play in this league for a little bit. No, it's true. I think I think we all know that if everything's perfect around him, and we saw it at Alabama, if he has a good offensive line, he has good receivers, he has a good running game all this and that, he's going to look good. I mean, he, he he processes things really well. That's one thing you don't question with him is his brain. He's a smart quarterback. Yeah, people do forget he was a, you know, he was a top-tier recruit. Hey, just real quick. Um, can you guys hear me? Yeah. yeah. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, I, my audio is a little, or my video is a little choppy. Is it all right for you guys? Yeah, it's good for me. Yeah, I'm fine. Okay, so you guys are. Yeah, I can hear that you're on a delay though. Keep going. I just wanted to make sure. I forget who it was, but they were talking about how at the beginning of the year they had a simple offense put in there, and by week three, I mean just showing showing how good of a processor he is and his football IQ is insane. Um, By by like week three, they installed everything they had for Tua in there. Uh, Smart Uh, kid. Yeah. All right. You'll throw our, throw our recording back on. Oh, you're re-recording. I just saw the thing. <laughs> uh, any other quarterback prospects that, that uh, you're looking at or that you like? I know Ian Books there. There's been some talk about um, his potential impact in the NFL being a project or Felipe Franks. Uh, anyone, anyone like that? I don't know if you guys heard of Jamie Newman um, from Wake Forest, but – He's interesting because he has he has all of the tools. He's athletic, big arm, ball pops out of his hand, everything you look for in that area. His thing is, so he went to Wake Forest this last year, um, transferred to Georgia, and then sat out on COVID leave when he went mm-hmm. to Georgia. So he's going to get grilled, I'm sure, over that. Um, just because it's like, okay, you wanted the spotlight. Here's the spotlight. And then you sit out type of thing. And I'm sure scouts are going to uh, yell over him about that. And truthfully, he didn't look that great, I didn't think. He, he was making a lot of mental errors and stuff like that. Like I said, though, the Senior Bowl is more of a tool for me. It's not like, a, oh, I love this guy now because I watched the Super Bowl. I mean, because I watched the Senior Bowl. It's a, it's a more, okay, I'm here to confirm what I've seen on film thing. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So yeah, yeah, yeah that makes sense. Uh, that's interesting. I hadn't heard that name popped up. Um, so it would be interesting to see where uh, where they slot him based on on those decisions. Yeah. Uh, let's talk a little bit wide receivers. So we're just going through the offense first. Um, I think right now the at least based on what I've seen kind of the the favorite right now is Dwayne Eskridge uh, out of Western Michigan Uh, and he just seems like one that can separate and has elite speed Um, I think he'll probably be an early uh, draft pick at least you know day one day two at the very latest Um, so I don't know that that's in the Broncos range Um, but he does seem like a pretty explosive athlete yeah, he definitely is. Dwayne Eskridge is uh, interesting. His senior bowl was going to be big for him because he played out Western Michigan. He's a smaller guy. And when you watch the film, you're like, oh, wow, he's really, really, really explosive. Um, but it's against not so good competition. So it's nice seeing him at the senior bowl. And you do still see that explosiveness against elite competition. Um, he's another guy that made himself a lot of money. Yeah, and uh, I think another guy that I've heard a lot of people talking about, or at least uh, on the coverage, is uh, Nico Collins out of Michigan. Yeah. Um, big, physical, I know, I know it's a Michigan guy. Don't get yeah. me that <laughs> um, Big, physical, uh, good hands, uh, some nice ball skills. Um, kind of, I heard uh, a comparison to uh, Peoples-Jones as kind of a, a similar uh, kind of receiver where do you think does, is there potential that he falls uh, in somewhere in the Broncos range that would be worth taking? Or do you think that he's uh, he's probably off of their radar? You know, it depends where the Broncos want to take a receiver. I'm sure they will take one at some point here, because when you look at the future there, Tim Patrick's a restricted free agent. Cortland Sidon's coming up as free agency. And I'm not sure how they feel about Deshaun Hamilton at this point, but I think for my liking, he's probably going to go a little earlier than I'd like. Um, ju- just out of my opinion. But he is an interesting guy, jump ball receiver. He killed he killed the red zone drills at the senior bowl for sure. Yeah. Who's uh who are some other guys that maybe you like that uh maybe not getting as much uh airtime or um that are standing out in different ways? I like this uh this kid, Amari Rogers, from um, he he goes to Clemson, slot receiver, quicker than quicker than fast type of guy. He's kind of like your Scotty Miller, Julian Edelman type of guy. Uh, and that's that's a that's an area you know they always talk about building your 
building your receiver room like a basketball team. You want all different types of sizes. You want all different types of shapes. You want guys that can do a little of everything. And that's a that's an area where I think the Broncos are kind of li- lacking. They don't have that type of receiver, that quicker than fast guy. I mean, in theory, Deshaun Hamilton's supposed to be that guy, but I'm not really sure he is. So he's a guy that I keep a name out for. Yeah, he's uh, it's T. Martin's kid. Yeah, Tennessee, Tennessee, great. Oh yeah, yeah. I just found that out. I did is not the, know that. It's interesting. Is, is he the guy that came in this year? Um, he he. Well, he must be right because he's a senior. He like hadn't played at all really his first uh, his first few years with the team. Came in this year, had a really nice uh, productive uh, season for them. I think one. I think he came in when. Um, Ross. Oh, what's his name? The backup quarterback came in. Oh yeah, at yeah. that time uh, when Trevor Lawrence was out. Yeah, you know I don't. I'm not exactly sure. I'm not that far into his film yet, and I haven't done that much research. Sure. I've done. Um, I've watched like a couple games of his and studied him a little bit. But yeah, that's he's still a guy that I want to do more research in. But I'm I, I'm intrigued. Yeah. Um. Any interest in Kadarius Tony out of Florida? He's fun. <laughs> yeah. He's really fun. He he's like your Percy Harvin type of guy. You get him the ball in open fields, he's gonna make people miss. He's ridiculously quick. He's ridiculously fast. Um, I see a lot of people like in Daniel Jeremiah's draft. I know he had him going in the top twenty, which may be a little rich for me, just for a guy that. I don't know. I don't know how much you're going to use, do with him. It depends which offense he goes to, I guess. But he, he's a fun player. If you want to watch highlights, he's the guy that you want to watch. <laughs> and he's KJ Hamler. Yeah. And it's, I really like it. You know, I, I hate him because he went to Florida. I hate him, but um, I, it's, he's my Michigan. Um, but watching him, you know, watching him put guys on skates, you know, and – Mind you, the the I think the defensive back group um, at the Senior Bowl isn't as top flight, maybe necessarily as as some of the other position groups. Um, but yeah, he's definitely fun. You know, I I talked to a buddy who is a Cowboys fan, right, and he's really into it. Um, he was listening to some Cowboys radio, um, and they really they were talking about it and talking about how the buzz that they were hearing is that the Chiefs are really interested. Oh my goodness! Makes me angry. Uh, yeah. Like if that happened, I'll just, I just, I don't, I don't stop it. You know, just yeah, stop it. Yeah, someone to step in where when Sammy, Sammy Watkins, <laughs> and Jacksonville step up. You know, like <laughs> somewhere where I don't have to worry about him for a while. You know, go. Could you imagine that Tony Hardman and Tyreek Hill? No uh, man, I couldn't. It'd be one of those where, you know, you'd be playing defense. The the only objective would be is you let them get to the 20. And because they don't have a jump ball guy, like you just, you pack it in and hope they kill, they don't score touchdowns. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. That would be the only defense. Like you just don't let it, just don't get burned, you know? Yeah. yeah speed, speed, speed kills. Brutal. Um, let's move on to the running back group. Um, there's a few guys that uh, I like. Uh, I think the top of the the list is Najee Harris. Um, I think we all saw what he did in the national championship game. And, and before that, honestly, um, he's one that's intriguing to me. Uh, I think he's probably a first round guy. It, you, you never know how running back 
uh, is going to kind of grade out in the draft or, or as far as value goes. Um, but he's one that, that I think it has, has a ton of upside. Oh, uh, yeah, for sure. Um, totally. As a fan, I kind of wish he came out last year. I mean, not for him, for sure not for him. I think he totally improved his draft stock. He's going to make more money because of it. If he came out last year, though, someone good got a steal. He not a lot less carries on him. It would have been nice. Right. To but he's your uh, he's your do do it all guy. He's a good blocker. He has nice hands out of the backfield. Um, powerful runner. Heavy pads. He he's he's good. Runs low. I really like him. Um, now I think he will go in the first round. And shoot, uh, let's see. I don't think I would. I'm team. Don't take a running back in the first couple. Yeah couple rounds i think that they're too easy to find deep down in the draft i mean we see it in the broncos all the time with philip Lindsay. i mean if you want to go back to davis right all these different types of dudes uh one name that intrigues me is this ramondre stevenson uh from oklahoma i think i think he's a good fit and i like him uh Shermer really likes those big running backs if you go back through his history whether it was signing Melvin Gordon, keep going back, you need to see the same thing. He's a, I know last year he was listed at 6'1 and 250 pounds, big running back. Wow. <laughs> yeah, but he lost 25 pounds or they listed him too heavy at Oklahoma, either or, and came in at the senior bowl at 6'1, 225. Uh, he just fits the scheme good, inside zone type of guy. He's a north, side, north and south runner. Soft hands out of the backfield. Um, he, every time he has his little jump cut going, it shocks me at his weight. I'm like, how are you doing that? Uh, yeah. In how, just real quick, have you seen how he's done in uh, like one-on-one press pro? Uh, yeah, I saw that. He's kind of needs – I did. I studied a little bit. He's getting beat a little bit, and I think it's all to do with hand placement and stuff like that, mm-hmm. which is stuff that you can work on. Uh, I mean, he's a big guy. He's not afraid to hit. When you see a guy with a want to like that, I'm always thinking that okay, you can coach him up. It's not a it's not a physical deficiency or anything like that. Hundred percent, hundred percent agree. Right? I think if you if the guy likes contact, right, he's going to put his face in there. And really, it's just you you have to be able to teach how do you roll from contact to hand placement, right? And and keep ground. So how do you keep leverage? I think right. if he wants to, you know, and is physically capable, and that's the difference with like a Philip Lindsay. The want to to be physical is there with Philip the dude's just not big enough. Right. And so it's right. a bit of, you, you have to be able to, um, to accept the punishment or give it as well as have the mentality to be able to come up. Cause that's going to be the biggest thing. You know, a, Shermer wants a guy that's going to be on the field 75% of the time, right. It's just predictability. It's, it's um, being able to run the same stuff out of whatever formation you're in. Right. And so when Philip Lindsay comes in, you have to dictate what we're doing because for the most part, he can't pass protect isn't catching the ball right now so you're most likely giving him the ball and you know the areas in which he's good at right so um the the stuff inside necessarily isn't his game so it limits where the you know what the defense has to focus on so you want a guy like that that like stevenson that's going to be able to come in can pass pro right if he can catch the ball a little bit out of the backfield um and you know and provide some threat that way uh as well as be able to run it inside i think that that's That'd be a tremendous fit, especially as a guy maybe later on that um, that can come in, give you some some tough yards too, right? I mean, yeah, one. I mean, you, you need guys that can get you third and one in this league, and I think that's really important. Yeah, for sure. 
I do like him. Yeah, there's a guy I like. Uh, his name is Michael Carter out of North Carolina. Do you know much about him? I love Michael Carter. There's, yeah. UNC backs are, uh, are something else. Both of them. Yeah, both of them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He just yeah, seems so, so fluid and, and explosive. Uh, his jump cuts are pretty incredible. Yeah, he, multi, he can do multiple. <laughs> you know, his change of direction is just great, and I think that uh, he's got a lot of upside. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Over 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Oh, for sure. I really like him too. I mean, that one two punch they had down there was ridiculous. Yeah. They had a bruising guy and Javante Williams. And then they had Michael Carter, who, uh, like you said, is explosive. The jump cuts are ridiculous. But don't, don't sleep on that contact contact balance or the power either uh i mean it sneaks up on you with a guy like that he's built still low to the ground i kind of like uh this larry uh roundtree too uh, out of missouri yeah i don't know much about larry roundtree i haven't gone into the film on him yet but i have heard good things what I, from kind of in my homework I've, I've kind of found that he's been very consistent over it, it, for being in uh a conference where you know they haven't flourished. Missouri is not a, a t- one of the teams that flourishes in that conference. Yeah, um, he's been extremely consistent. Uh, he uh, can make initial tacklers miss. He's he's nice, a nice size. I think he's listed at six one two fifteen. I think he 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 seems to be one of those guys that's like a little good at everything. Not maybe not great in one area, um, but he intrigues me a little bit. Uh, and I think consistency. I always like the consistent guys, you know, the guys that go out there, do their job uh, on, on that level. Uh, maybe, th- maybe there's not like one trait that you get excited about, but I think having a well-rounded back is, is a valuable thing. Yeah, for sure. It totally is. If you can do a little of everything. That's what keeps you on the field. Like we were talking about earlier. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's transition to tight end. I don't know that the Broncos will be looking to draft tight end necessarily. Um and I don't know that there's been any, any huge stands out. I think probably the name that I've heard the most is Hunter Long out of Boston College. Um, I think that he's turned some heads. But uh, uh, do you think that that's a direction the Broncos go at all uh, at the tight end position? Or is there anyone that you might take a chance on? You know, I haven't even started looking at the tight ends because I do not think that it's a yeah area. I mean, I think that. If I were the Broncos, I would look a little at tight end just to find that guy because I, I really wasn't that impressed with Nick Vanette. But we did sign him. He is here. Um, yeah, I, I just don't see the Broncos. I don't predict the Broncos looking into tight end much. Yeah, I don't either. And I know uh, Nicholas Manning is not a, a Nick Vanette fan either. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> Jeff Howerman. We should have just kept Jeff. Okay. <laughs> right. Provides you a little bit in the passing game. By, by a little bit, I mean literally a little bit. And then yeah. we'll miss blocks every once in a while. Like, I mean, I was really surprised by Fumagalli. You know, I think, you know, Putnam, him coming back, um, readapting to the scheme kind of mid-season without really having some run-up. I thought he performed pretty well. I think an opportunity to be able to keep him as your, your tight end three on the roster. You got Albert O, you got Noah Fant. I mean, you're feeling pretty good. You know, Austin Ford got hurt, is still kind of hanging around. So I think that they have some options. They can always pick up a guy, you know, around six, seven, or, or yeah. there's a lot of veterans that I think will be available for on the cheap, especially in kind of the year of the COVID. Um, the off season when dollars are a little bit short, I think that, I think that that's an area where, um, if I were to focus on my draft capital, if I'm George Payton, that's not, that's not where I'm putting it. It doesn't mean that if, uh, you know, if, if you trade back from nine to 22 and then Pitts is staring you in the face, I'm still thinking about it though. I mean, cause in the end, right. Talent's talent. And I think that you have to provide your, your team with, uh, you know, Shermer, Hey man, you got a job to do. Right. And I'm going to, no excuses. We're going to run that four tight end set. With all guys that run four or five. Right. You're going in empty every play. Yeah, empty every time. <laughs> yeah, Kyle Pitts is a – he's an athlete, man. I saw someone compare him to LeBron James this morning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's what? He's like six – is he six five, six six? right? Two fifty. Yeah. And he can run. He can you run. He's, he's agile, right? I mean, he just – and he's his IQ on the field is, is so smart, right? His ability to be able to maneuver routes, I think, right. just – ahead of the curve especially for a tight end position in in college football we're really um i think they just the expectation is you out you out athlete people based on your size right you just you're more physical so to be able to have some nuance in your route running at that age is, is phenomenal he's going to be you know god forbid that man lands in in san francisco right or something like that like oh my goodness gracious that yeah. would be terrible because because you can move him out to wide receiver you can move mm-hmm. him into- Play him as a big slot. Yep. Um, there's a million things you could do with that guy. Million things. Yep. Yeah. Just make your offense a lot more versatile. Yeah, I think uh, tight end is probably not one that the Broncos will be too focused on, but you never know. Yeah. Um, let's move to O line. I think there's uh, some good prospects here, and it mm-hmm. seems like some people are making some money. And I think the person that I've heard uh, making the most noise uh, is a guy out of Wisconsin, Whitewater. Um, which I didn't even know was a school, a name Quinn Meniers. I don't know if I'm saying that right. Yeah, I think it's Quinn Miners. Miners, Miners. That makes more sense. Yeah. Um, he's another guy. Getting getting Wisconsin Whitewater film is – coach's film is uh, is pretty difficult. Yeah, <laughs> but you pretty but, much have to, like, call a kid's mom and say, hey, can I get your recording from your from your iPhone? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly that. Yeah, I mean, he stood out there first. First, uh, that crop top he was rocking the whole every practice was <laughs> it was interesting. So good. It's Elliot. so good. <laughs> yeah, um, I know he used to play guard, and they moved him in the center at the Senior Bowl. And I think, I mean, he thrived there. Uh, first thing I noticed is he plays nasty. He he wants to he wants to hurt you when he's out there. He, he's going to he's going to knock you on your butt every play. Um, and and this is an interesting story. I know he broke his hand halfway through one of the one-on-one drills. Um, he went out there, went out. The doctors pulled him out or whatever. 
they just wrapped it up and he went out there next very next rep. He didn't miss one rep after a broken hand. It's the stuff you like to see from a, your O-lineman. Uh, but I do need to watch more because, I mean, I know some of these national media guys, they like to sell you on things and it's important to go and check for yourself. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're already hearing comparisons to like uh, Ali Marpet and uh, I thought of like Forrest Lamp, who I don't know that has really turned out to be that great. Um, but just these really small school guys that don't get a lot of run until, you know, you, you discover them in like the senior pool. Yeah, exactly. Uh, any other O-line guys you like? I got a few names if you want me to throw them out or you just give me someone you like. Yeah, for sure. I really like this Dylan, uh, Dylan Radunes from North Dakota State. Just left tackle down there. Um, man, he played really good. I think he was the best tackle I saw out there this this week. In the one-on-one drills, quick, athletic, um, can anchor on you, all of that. I really like him. Yeah, I, I haven't heard that one, but I, I like that. Uh, that's why yeah, he's, we, a, yeah, he's, that's a got, he's a guy that got some love quite a bit throughout the last season. And even though they only had one game, he has some some – Solid tape from, you know, from, from being a starter um, for a while. From the reps that I've seen in the senior bowl, I think he's held up well. I think he's definitely a guy that you would, you know, you want to look at maybe as your right tackle and waiting kind of um, yeah. things. We all know the volatility of, of Juwan James and looking at some long, long-term stability at that position. I like him, you know, and usually I'm going to be a little bit more hesitant with tackles from, um, from smaller schools, especially if you want to keep them at tackle because it's really hard to be able to grade their um, their ability to handle the speed rush based on competition, right? I think that that's pretty um, pretty clear. But at least from what I've seen from the Senior Bowl reps, and mind you, I, have, I haven't dove in a, a ton. So, um, Jerry, you can you can squash it if it's inaccurate. I mean, it seems like he's been able to get back. His kick step seems pretty sound, um, and being able to maintain with some of the speed rushers out there. Would you agree? Or am I am I pretty off? I, I would totally agree. I mean. At least my worries is that is his athleticism. He's an athletic guy. Um, I know the one concern that people are having about him is that at his weight, his arms are a little shorter than people like, and that threshold is serious for NFL teams. If you're a little below that threshold, you're going to get the guard talk immediately. But he did play tackle, and he did play guard at the senior bowl, and he looked terrific in both. Yeah, it's one of those if you're going to take a swing at a guy, right? especially oh. in a smaller school, you want to be able to have the, that position in mind and then the other position in mind, which is a little bit of what I think that they did with Dalton Reisner, right? I think that the hope the hope is you, you take a swing at a tackle talent knowing that they can play guard, right? right. If, it, if it's not going to work out there, we're going to move him into guard and we'll kick him in. He's going to be able to have the ability to be able to play and probably provide, um, you know, upper echelon athleticism for the inside position which especially when you have an offense that's going to pull a lot or, or if, you know, when you, when you got Reisner was a, you know, a stretch, a stretch offense. I mean, that's going to be pretty huge. And so I really like him uh, that, you know, that's a guy that I, you know, I hope that they could target, you know, early round two, maybe, um, you know, or maybe move up from that third round pick, you know, maybe back into something like that and, and go get him. And, you know, if you think about adding a piece like that, and, and, and I think there's some more tackles in this class that I like, but, since we're, we're talking a little bit more senior bowl, you know, that's a guy that I really could see here and just picturing what that line could look like. Right. I think you have a, you have a stable group that can be together for four. I mean, that's, that's unheard of in this league. And so if you're able to get another youthful piece that projects well, that you can get to mesh, 
that's pretty exciting to really think about what that offensive line could be for some years to come. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, the depth the Broncos would have at O-line would be pretty special with Moody coming from your interior off the bench. And then you have a guy like this, Radians, um, who's a swing tackle. He can blow, play both ways and for an injury. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah. Which, you know, we were, you know, JT and I have talked about this before on the, on the pod, right. Depth and O-line have not went together in Denver in a long time, right? That's just oh, yeah. what we've done since really since Mike Shanahan, right? Where you feel like you got seven guys that can play. And even, you know, mo- into the end of last year, I felt like we had seven or eight guys that could play, you know, is it someone that you want to, you want to get 16 games out of? Probably not, but do you really need eight guys to 16 games? No, you need guys that can come in that contribute, that can hold water for, for four games or, or what have you. I think Calvin Anderson and Schlotman, I think that they had that. You know, you bring those guys back in for an attempt at competition. You bring a guy, uh, you know, like we're talking about to be able to compete at right tackle. Uh, you get, you're bringing Moody back. I, I think that that, again, provides you with some some stability in a group that you need it, especially in this league where the development for offensive linemen in the college game doesn't happen very easy to be able to have those kind of bullets there. Um you know, especially with however they decide to move from, you know, move forward with quarterback. That's a, that is a, a pretty um, enticing thing to, to be a part of for sure. Yeah, for sure. Totally agree. Yeah. There's uh, one or two other names I wanted to throw out just because I think uh, one I've seen a lot in mocks being in kind of that round two range and that's Alex Leatherwood uh, out of Bama. And then the other is Creed Humphrey out of Oklahoma as an interior guy. Um, seems to be getting a lot of love this week. Thoughts on any, either of those guys? Yeah, um, Leatherwood. Leatherwood's interesting. I, I feel like I haven't yet got a hold of him yet. Like I've watched plenty of his games, but he's a he's a weird prospect to watch because he's a big guy. Like he's your prototype Alabama offensive lineman, right? Right, right. Big, all this and that, but he plays kind of small. He plays like your Andre Dillard's or those guys with the quick feet that like to pass set and stuff like that big kicks out athletic all of this and um in the senior bowl i mean i don't know if you guys know who quincy roche is miami miami edge guy but he was whooping up on him we'll talk about him uh, a little later yeah (laughs) do you think (laughs) that so from what i what i saw last season so not this year um leatherwood reminded me quite a bit of cam robinson right where it's just Big athlete um, gets gets sloppy with his feet, relies on his mass and his size um, a little bit too much. Did you see some improvement from that? Have you seen anything in the in the senior bowl practices that would suggest that maybe he's refined some of the some of the technique or, or some of the mental side? So he had a super up and down week, from what I could gauge. Um, he was having a tough time with those speed rushers around the edge. He just he wants to be Mr. Athletic guy, but I don't think he really is. So, so uh, yeah, they, they, they were beating him in the outside move, but I will give him credit. He did get better as the week went along, which is something I know scouts look a lot at. Do you get better as the week goes along? Um, and you can check that off for him because he definitely did. That's good. Yeah. I mean, that means he's taking coaching, right. And it's the, what, what, young men at this age need to understand when they hit the NFL is now everyone's a great athlete, right? Is you're not out athleting anyone anymore. Right? Yeah. The, the guy in the practice squad is a world-class athlete. You know, he's not, 
yeah, he, he's a guy that's trying to compete at the at the upper echelon of this craft. You know, this isn't a banker. It's not a, a grocery teller, right? I mean, this is a this is a guy that's trying to do some work. And so you have to have technique with athleticism. Like you just have to have it, especially at that position where 99 out of 100 times the guy on defense is a better athlete than you. Right. And, uh, you know, if, if he's progressing over the week, I think that that's a tremendous sign for him. He's definitely a guy that I would have an eye on if I were the Broncos, kind of the the day two pick range, which I think is is probably if they were going to look for an offensive lineman, you know, probably third round-ish if I were to guess how this team is, is maybe looking at the draft, right? Um, you have some significant holes that you want to be able to plug in the secondary. Uh, but looking at a guy like that, if he were to slip based on some of those things, uh, his ability to be coached, I think will go a long way in his development for sure. For sure. Uh, anyone else on that line you like, or uh, do we want to move to the defensive side of the ball? Trey, Trey Smith, the guard from Tennessee, looked great. He, he had the he had the best week of the, any of the alignment other than Radunes, I think, for me. And you asked me about Creed Humphreys. He's interesting as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Man, he can sit down on someone like those. His, his issues for me come when you have a quicker dude in there, but when you have those big, powerful guys, he's built like a he's he's so built so low to the ground. He can really just sit down and anchor you. You're not moving him once he puts those hands inside and he anchors. You're not you're not pushing him around. Um, he's interesting as well. He's kind of the opposite of Cushenberry, who we have in Denver, like the exact opposite. But yeah, yeah, interesting. That's interesting. That's cool. Um, well, let's take a quick break and then we'll come back and talk about the defensive side of the ball. How's that sound? Yeah, for sure. All right. Thanks for sticking with us, everyone. We're going to talk about the defensive side of the ball now. Uh, Senior Bowl talk with Joey Richards uh, at JR Drafts on Twitter. Joey, thanks again for being with us. Uh, We're excited to talk Senior Bowl and Broncos potential prospects with you. For sure. Um, Yeah, let's go. Yeah, defense is is big. I think think, uh, the majority of us think that's probably where uh, the Broncos are going to target a lot uh, uh, early and often. Um, so I thought maybe we'd start with D line. Um, and I have a few guys that I, I, I have down here. Uh, first is Osa Adigazua uh, <laughs> out of UCLA. Um, and, and I just thought this was a, a great quote. It says, uh, he's a near elite athlete for a defensive lineman. Adigazua made the 2020 Fellman's freaks list on which was, he, which he was documented to have the following skills squatted more than 700 pounds, which is more than 420 has a 32 inch vertical 15% body fat and his ellipse 20 miles per hour on his GPS. So that's pretty crazy. That is really nuts. I, I didn't know that. I, I did not know that. And now I have to put him to my watch list for sure. Um, I did notice at the senior bowl and he's the, he's a kid from UCLA, correct? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Correct. Okay, for sure. Um, he is quick, man, because he plays that interior line. And a lot of the times you see some of these guys, especially when they're playing like that zero or that nose position, um, 
They're there just to not be moved. They want to take on as many blockers as they can. They want to hold them there and want linebackers to scrape. It helps the whole defense, that type of stuff. But he is quick. He is quick, quick, quick. So I definitely have to go in there and uh, take a look at him. Yeah, yeah, he's he's one. Just that that quote alone made me like, oh, all right, I better I better watch out for this guy a little bit. Yeah, see, uh, I may have to go back and, and see some of his game tape because I don't think I don't think UCLA was particularly great this last year. No. Um, <laughs> but there's always gems to find, you know. Yeah, for sure. Um, another guy I had uh, on my notes was I think they just call him Aid Aid Ogun Ogundeji. I don't know if that's right either. Uh, out of Notre Dame. Uh, yeah. Do you, do you want to speak on him a little bit? Yeah, for sure. I mean, he's a, he's an edge. I, I honestly am not in love with him. He does a little of everything, which I like. Um, at the Senior Bowl, he definitely has some good reps. He looks the part for sure. Everything about him, I like. I do want to. I mean, I think I've watched two games of his Notre Dame, and sure. I was trying to study both of the edge guys because they have two coming out this year. Uh, but yes, he totally is interesting. Um, the senior bowl, the one that I was keeping an eye on for sure was, uh, Quincy Roche out of Miami. Um, yeah. Miami has a lot of good pass rushes coming out this year. Whereas Gregory Russo, my guy, my favorite, my favorite prospect, Jalen Phillips and, uh, Quincy Roche. But, <laughs> uh, Quincy Roche is, he's like your, he's definitely your speed rusher. He was giving Alex Leatherwood and a lot of these tackles a tough time this whole time, uh, the whole week around the edge. Um, yeah, he had a really good week as well to me. I just, after watching what North Carolina did to the, I mean, just, I'm not overly impressed with any Miami, anyone. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's just, <laughs> oh my gosh, man, like, that's brutal, but. No, I agree. And I, I you know, I think, uh, I, I think that we haven't really focused on, on the defensive front as much because I think the assumption is our efforts need to go to the secondary. However, um, and I'm not sold that the Broncos won't utilize some of their cap space or their, their dollars to be able to go get some veteran pieces back there. Right. I mean, there's a lot of youth in that room already. So maybe that secondary room isn't necessarily going to be going through the draft, right. Your fair leagues, et cetera. And maybe they, you know, they they recognize the way to beat Patrick Mahomes is to to not only be able to provide pressure with minimum fronts, but be able to find guys that can do both, right? Because you're going to be playing in the nickel, you know, 99% of the time against today's NFL, which is why a guy like Mike Purcell is kind of back in, right? So if we only have, if we are outnumbered, um, you know, with our with our defensive front, you need a guy that can take two to three blockers that can occasionally push the pocket a little bit. So maybe, you know, maybe this is a group that we need to pay a little bit more attention to than assuming, uh, you know, that, that we're going to focus on inside linebacker or cornerback. Uh, for sure. As you said, it's so important to be able to pass rush with only bringing four. It opens things up with, for your defense completely. I mean, we saw San Francisco go to the Super Bowl um, last season off of that. So, yeah. Yeah, Another and, and, and to be honest, right, I mean, they should have won it. I mean, it was the – you have a relentless – you know, what, whatever, 48 minutes of, of pressure and to not be able to sustain it obviously hurts. But, uh, you know, you're playing against a unicorn with with all the tools that they got. Uh, and again, you know, the, the Broncos show the strategy 
to be able to beat them in Kansas City this year. Same thing, right? We're going to be able to bring pressure, uh, drop in coverage without. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You know, without your top cornerbacks, which is, is pretty tremendous, and to be able to hold that offense the way that they did, if you can continue to do that, you know, even if you bring back a guy like Shelby, you, know, you, you have a Jeem, you have Jones, you got Purcell coming back. I really like what Deshaun Williams provided. Um, Demarcus Walker should be able to to leave, go test the waters. He should be starting somewhere. So you kind of bring in an, a couple more fresh bodies, uh, you know, in the middle rounds, um, some guys that can that can hold their own and press the pocket. I think keeping that defensive front, you know, uh, fresh and in waves, I think provides this team an opportunity to be able to, to not only uh, cover up some of the holes in the back end, uh, but definitely compete in a, in a pretty tough division. Yeah, for sure. And also who knows, who knows what happens to Shelby Harris this off season? Who knows what happens to Jarrell Casey this off season? Who knows what happens to even Von Miller this off season? So it's definitely something you, you want, you want to start to get youthful at as, as you said. I think that this draft class has the reputation already that it's not a strong edge class. Do you, do you agree with that? Or do you think that there's value maybe a little deeper than most people think? I think it's, I think, I think that narrative came from uh, national media. You know, they care about the first round, the first round and the edge class in the first round is not great. You don't have your top 10. Here's your Bradley Chubb. Uh, yeah. fresh out the box here we go type of guy you know yeah your value is going to come in the 20s range down through the second round um, and there are some guys I like there's some guys even in the third and fourth round that I really like their tools and if you start to work with them uh, they could end up being good as well yeah absolutely uh, one other guy that I I had heard about I haven't actually seen anything on him uh, is a guy named William Bradley King uh, out of Baylor he's an edge out of Baylor um, and I think the thing that's intriguing is apparently he's got a, a huge wingspan, uh, like an 80 inch wingspan. Um, and he supposedly is a really great on the edge because he can bat down those, those offensive tackles arms, uh, and get to the quarterback that way. So he sounds really intriguing. I don't know if you've, if you've done any, uh, Baylor tape. I haven't done any Baylor tape, but I, I do agree with you. There's, uh, I've heard a lot about the batting at the line too. And there's a couple guys at the edge that can do that. I don't know if you've heard of Jordan Smith out of UAB. Um, I haven't. He, he's interesting. He's really interesting as well. 6'6", six, six, he's 255, long arms. Um, and he's your stand-up 3-4 outside linebacker. He's a Florida transfer after some scandal. Um, but, man, like just some of the notes I wrote down are tools, length, first-step quickness, 
athleticism, effort, and then super raw, can't read his blocks, hand placement is terrible. Like <laughs> if you get if you get the the vibe of who he is, but yeah, there's right. some guys down there that are kind of like, like that. Yeah, they could they could be some fun fun projects. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, let's talk linebackers, uh, and let's uh, start with with a guy that I I know and love, uh, Baron Browning out of Ohio State. Uh, he's just an athlete, man. He just, he, he has, uh, he's raw for sure. Um, and I think that uh, <laughs> Nick's given the looks up there. Uh, <laughs> and I think he's, he's got some growth. Uh, he's got to grow uh, in a scheme for sure. But I think that he, you know, as an a- a- elite athlete, you're always valued. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. Talk about athlete, athlete uh, elite athlete. He is, uh, he moves like a safety out there sometimes. And because of that, I think I thought he was smaller than he was, but he's 6'3, 241. He's, he's a big guy. Um, crazy change of direction, athletic, fast. He's versatile. They put him all over the field over there. They, they didn't just have one set position for him, he, which you kind of wish they did that he could master his one position because right. I think he's a little, raw because of that sometimes he's he's a raw processor he has a hard time reading things in front of him sometimes um but like you said the upside is ridiculous with him he has good he even pass rushes really well which i thought was interesting uh there was one clip where they were playing penn state and he's out there against uh pat fryerman the tight end over there and they throw him an end zone fade. He stays patient, hands perfect, looks back at the ball, bats it down. That's the type of stuff that you just do not see from linebacker all that often. Yeah, absolutely. He's 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 one of my favorite. And, and you know, obviously I'm biased, so um, but he's he's one of my guys. And I think he was the best linebacker on that that defense, in my opinion. I, I heard Todd McShay say this morning that he thought uh, Pete Werner was the best, which I completely disagree with. Yeah, um, he's definitely better than Tough Borland. So, <laughs> um, I think that I don't know. I, I love his upside. Um, I think another guy that people might know or have heard of is Jabril Cox, um, and he's he's one of those two that he's impressively large, has good speed. Uh, I think he's listed at like six four two forty as well. Um, and get into the backfield and be disruptive. Um, what what are your takes takeaways on him and then anyone else that you you like at the linebacker position from the senior bowl? Yeah, for sure. Jabril Cox, um, and like a lot of these other guys, I still want to watch more of him because I don't have a full scope, but I have a I feel like I have an okay understanding. Sure. Uh, he uh he he's he's athletic, but he's not as athletic as Browning. Browning Browning is a special athlete, but Jabril Cox is a lot better at processing what's in front of him he has better zone drops he is better in coverage i think they had him chase around tight ends running backs all over the place i do really like him as well i wouldn't be mad at browning or cox if i were the broncos um picking maybe in the second round third round i really wouldn't it may be a little rich but man it's a need and i think both these guys are pretty good no i i actually really like it i I don't know because, you know, I think the more that, that Browning puts on some really good tape, especially in, at the Senior Bowl, I think is able to highlight his athleticism quite a bit more um, going against some, you know, some better talent maybe than the Indiana tight end. Uh, yeah. 
And so I think that that provides just, I think it provides some stock. I, I really liked what I saw from him this year. Uh, I think Cox, I, I really like both of them, especially at that value in the, in the second day versus, you know, a character flawed guy like Parsons, who is a, a you know, a freak athlete, but has got a whole bunch of stuff, right? I mean, that's a Ruben Foster 2.0, in my opinion. I think if there's that much smoke, you know, um, I'm not, I'm not touching it, especially for a locker room. That's pretty solid with some pretty good dudes in it. Um, you know, maybe you, you look at Collins from, maybe you look at him, maybe in the back end of the first, if you trade back, um, something like that. But I really like the value of what those guys bring in the second round, which maybe allows you to be able to go get a real defensive playmaker with their first round pick. Uh, I think that that would be a pretty good coup if you're able to get both of those guys, um, you know, in the, in the first couple rounds or first three rounds even. Yeah, no, for sure. I would be shocked if the Broncos don't walk away with one of their linebackers in their um, second to third round. I, I mean, agree. if you start to go down the list, you have Baron Browning, you have Dylan Moses, you have Jabril Koch, you have Chaz Surratt, you have Connor McGrone, Nick Bolton, like all these guys fill that off-ball linebacker, all athletic, all fit next year, A.J. Johnson type. Different players, all of them, some better in coverage than others, but your, runner, your, your typical run-and-hit linebacker, there's a bunch of them. Well, just imagine, though, I mean, you're really looking at pairing them with Justin Strenad, right? I think from the way that I'm looking at stuff, especially how that team talked about him, um, I mean, that's your future pairing. You know, I I think um, as much as I like Alexander Johnson, he's starting to blossom at a later age, especially with his size. Um, Is that a guy that's going to be able to keep that up moving forward? Um, I don't think that the cognitive understanding of the game has really been his, his forte, right? And he him and Josie Jewell play well next to each other, but they're really similar, right? For as, as good as Alexander Johnson was, he blitzed a lot, never got home. Um, yeah. So maybe he's best in coverage, uh, but ideally you want a guy that's going to be able to carry tight ends and, and running backs, um, you know, or, or be able to match up one-on-one. I don't necessarily think that's either of obviously either Jewell or Johnson's game. So you bring in a guy like Shernod and you bring a, you know, you bring in a guy like, uh, like Browning. I think that that ups the athleticism game at a position, you know, that you need it, especially if you're going to be running pretty light uh, in terms of, uh, of, of defensive backs or, or, or what the coverage it just provides so many more options. And so I think that would be a tremendous way to look at it. Yeah. If they don't come away with one of those guys, which like you said, there was a handful to yeah. get within the first three rounds. I'd be, I would be shocked. And if, you know, if they don't, then that means they really love Johnson and Jewel or, or at least one of them as a long-term piece. And so I wouldn't, be surprised then if they don't grab one of those guys earlier that that one of those guys doesn't get extended um you know for you know a a pretty good a pretty good amount of time moving forward Uh, yeah and and we know that the Broncos are looking for that guy actively I mean whether whether it was Mark Barron this last year or um there was a lot of uh the Broncos trying to move up for Patrick Queen back in the last year so I think it's safe to say that they are looking for that guy. Um, it's unfortunate with the Micah Parsons news, but I, I, I even if the off the field were a thing, I don't think I would take him at nine. His processing is so raw. He just doesn't say top ten pick to me. He's he's your typical we're debating uh, floor versus ceiling type of guy. So yeah, is there is there a linebacker that you like that you think fits the scheme best? Uh, not necessarily in the first or second round even, but just down the line. Yeah, you know, I haven't really thought about it as the – how do you say his name? Uh, Strunard? I forget. I don't know how to say his name. AJ Johnson. 
Trinata. Yeah, yes. Yes, I can't. I can never say his name. (laughs) (laughs) I've never looked at it from that angle as, oh, well, maybe they do view him as the long term guy, which kind of changes things. What you want next to him, I think, is different than from what you want next to AJ Johnson. Um, it's interesting. That's something I'm going to have to think about. But part of me is, I don't know that it is, right? So if you look at, um, if you look at just the last couple stops of, that Vic Fangio's had, right? So you look at Chicago, you have yeah. Ron Smith and Danny Trevathan who can do all of it. Yeah. It's not, you don't have complementary pieces. You have elite pieces at a position to be able to maximize your ability to stop the run with minimal front because you have guys that are physical and come up make plays in the run game and guys that can carry and, and, you know, and cover both in zone and man, if necessary, right. A variety of, of slots. Cause it's not, you know, those guys aren't just covering up tight ends or running backs, right. They're, they're getting your third or fourth best wide receiver, depending on, on how the matchup or how the front goes. And then you go back and look at his time at San Francisco, right. You had Navarro Bowman and, uh, and Patrick Willis, who again, were both studs. I mean, all pro guys that could do all of it and, and, that's how that defense has been built or, or how it functions the best. So the way I look at it is, you know, if, if I'm Vic Fangio, um, I'm trying to find those guys, right. I want, I want elite guys. Cause I think he focuses much more on building your team inside to out than he does from outside to in, right. The opposite of Wade Phillips, Wade Phillips was edge pressure and corners and Vic Fangio is, you know, sound defensive secondary, right. You spend money on a guy like Purcell who, you know, three years ago was, was, uh, you know, that's a dinosaur, right? The guy that runs and or the guy that, that stops a run. You have elite middle linebacker player, inside linebacker play, and you put a ton of money at safety, right? Your um your Adrian Amos and your Eddie Jackson, right? You want those kind of guys um to be able to to produce in the middle, right? And then you uh, especially in a in a zone heavy defense, then you, you need guys that can tackle outside and make a play on a ball. Yeah, you know, I don't necessarily need, you know, Patrick Peterson or or guys like that that are uh, elite matchup guys. So I think, you know, uh, I think that that's absolutely, if Justin Trenad's not it, I wouldn't be surprised maybe if they, you know, they look at a guy like Levante David, who we've talked about earlier in the pod, right? Go get yourself an elite linebacker and then draft a guy that you think can come in and complement that. And by compliment, I mean, hold his weight, uh, you know, and, and where, where you don't have to match up guys across the field. In the end, if they go right, I got him. They go left, you got him, right? And I think – if you can do that kind of thing in this league, right, where the defense or the offense can't pick up what you're doing because you have extremely competent players in stress positions, right, positions where um, where you you want them to come to the middle because I have be- I have better guys than you, right? I want to filter all of that stuff in. We're going to make plays on the ball inside. I think that that would be a – that's when I think that this defense would be the best. No, yeah, for sure. To do it all, to do it all athletes um... – are special and I think he does he likes building his linebackers like that as you said my only thing would be I guess I'm not I, I I would want someone next to him that can get off blocks well and can really really get that inside run run and chase still the same type of thing like you were saying but maybe like a Nick Bolton or someone like that um who is your who's I think is the best fresh out the box okay year one linebacker in this draft um yeah, that's interesting. I never thought about it that way. Yeah, I like that. Um, let's move to secondary. Uh, and I think we can just cover, we don't have to do this, the, the group separately. We'll just slot them all together uh, for defensive backs. I think uh, someone who's making themselves a lot of money at the senior bowl is Richie Grant. 
seems to be playing really well, is getting uh, rave reviews. Uh, what have you seen from him? Yeah, this was a this was a safety class where I think everyone was looking for that. Who who's the safety one? You know, uh, it was a lot of different people that uh, a lot of different players that people liked, and uh, there wasn't really a consensus. And I think he's kind of pulling away with it after the senior bowl. He's versatile. He's not afraid to come down and hit like kind of like your Justin Simmons. I wouldn't call him super physical, but he's not afraid to come down and tackle you. Um, he's great in coverage. I mean, they use him everywhere. They had him in nickel. They had him as a deep safety and like a cover three look. Um, I really like him. He has sideline to sideline speed. He's interchangeable, strong safety, free safety. Yeah. All of that. I really like him. UCF. Yeah. UCF would make a lot of money out there. They're DBs. Yeah, yeah, I'm a little sad that he's he's showing up as well. I was hoping that you know, maybe he's the guy you get like third round or fourth round rate, a, a little a la Justin Simmons, guy with starter potential, and you can come in, kind of be your third safety, you know, kind of gradually move on from Kareem Jackson a little bit, like that kind of thing. And then dude had to ball out all week, like probably move himself into, you know, second round territory. It was just frustrating. Come on, yeah. man. Don't you know that we want you where we want you? Stop yeah. money. You stop making plays. Pull a hammy, something, like let us skew it. But, yeah, I really like him. And, and I think he's played better this week than I even thought going into the, to the process that he would perform in an environment like this. Um, so it was really cool to see him kind of show up against some, you know, some of the college's best talent. Yeah. Yeah, and one other, I think that you – I think I had seen – I know Zach Seegers, our friend of the pod, had been – tweeting about him uh, and I think maybe you were involved in that but that's uh, Melifonwu out of Syracuse a uh, corner out of Syracuse was that you were you involved in that or am I just imagining things I I definitely love Melifonwu so I may have been involved in that yeah uh, yeah give us a breakdown of Melifonwu because I think he's intriguing yeah he uh he's brother of I don't know if you guys remember Obi Melifonwu who blew up the combine, but never really looked like a football player on film. He, yeah. he was afraid to hit, uh, but super athlete, super, super athlete. Yeah. And uh, his brother, he's, he's 6'2", almost 6'3". He's 212 pounds. He's long, uh, lengthy, all, all those things you like in a long cornerback while also maintaining that fluidity in the hips that you look for in a cornerback. And that's what makes him rare, I guess, or that's his – that's the trait that you like because so many of these tall cornerbacks in this draft, because there's a lot of them. Um, they just don't have those hips you're looking for. They don't have that hip fluidity, the, the change of direction, the stop on a dime. Okay. It's a slant. Let me go, you know, break on that type of thing, which he has. Uh, I think his ball skills are pretty good, although his production wasn't really good. Um, but I've seen enough on film to where I feel comfortable with that. Uh, super, super scrappy and physical. Don't throw a wide receiver screen to a side type of guy. Uh, yeah, I really like him. He's, he's one of my favorite guys in this draft right now. Nothing will get me more excited about a DB than watching him blow up a wide receiver screen. Oh, uh, yeah. I love it, man. You know, I mean, cause you got to get through traffic. You still got to be able to make a play. You got to diagnose it. You can do all that stuff. That's pretty great. He's a guy I like, too. You know, I wrote a piece about him a little bit ago or within a piece. I think he's a – I think he's a – I think he's your prime fit, right, dear? Your Dick Fangio, zone defense – you know, can make tackles, has enough ball skills to be able to make a play, right? He's not going to, he's not going to give up um, opportunities to make a play. Um, and, and he's a guy that you're probably going to be able to get, you know, mid rounds somewhere, or, you know, maybe, maybe 
mid to late day two kind of thing. And so it's a guy that you can get some value on, which I, I think in uh in the draft process, you always have to be able to be, to target, um, to target that. Cause I think that's where the meteor team comes from. Mm-hmm. For sure. who, else, who else do you like in that secondary group? Um, I think that, I don't know that I've heard a, a ton otherwise. I think that uh, for me, at least what I've heard, Richie Grant's kind of the cream of the crop so far. Um, are there guys that you like just kind of in your own investigation? Yeah, the other kid from UCF, Aaron Robinson, who I never heard of before Daniel Jeremiah had him mocked in his first round, which I, which I thought was crazy. Because uh, I, like I said, I, I, I love the draft. I love everything. I never watch this guy. Yeah, yeah. Um, I turn on the film. He, he, he's such a fun player to watch. He was one of my favorite players that I've, I've really studied thus far. He, he transferred from Alabama uh, to UCF, and they had him line up everywhere. They had him line up in safety. They had him lined as a boundary corner. They had him lined in the nickel. And even in, like, um, some nickel or dime packages, they had him in there at linebacker. Like, he's, he's an interesting player. He's six foot one. He He's super competitive if you want to watch a competitive player watch him he's going to punch you in your chest every single time you step up to the line he's going to stick on you gets a little grabby because of that sometimes but never gets called for it so i'm not going to knock him um i i just really like him he's one of my favorite you can't wide receivers can't block him he's another fangio fit honestly yeah does he project as kind of a an a late day one early day two yeah he's i mean Jeremiah is the only one that I've seen have him in the first round of any mock draft. Um, now that's interesting because he has a lot more insight than everybody. Like he was the first one that had Makai Becton going really high last year and he ended right. up going super high. So uh, who knows? Who knows? I, I I thought he was a day two guy. For sure. Yeah. And I mean, day two guys, right. So it's like, uh, you know, kind of the more I hear about how teams create their draft board, right. There isn't a teams don't, Teams don't necessarily grade by round, right? They don't say this guy, this guy I want the first round, this guy I want the second round. So you pick your guys, right? These are guys that we want, right? The type of players that we want based on fit, based on size, athleticism, et cetera. Right. And then you and then you mark where you think other people will take them or where you think you'd feel comfortable based on how your draft will play out, right? How your value chart hits. Um, you know, round two guys become round one guys pretty easy, right? And especially if they have, if he has a pretty solid pro day, checks off some athleticism boxes, interviews well, you know, those were, those day two guys start creeping up to, you know, early round two guys, late round one guys, because all it takes is one team, you know, Damon Arnett, right? No one else was going to take him in the first round. All it takes is one team. And, and I think that's, that's really important. And like you said, if you're hearing that from guys like that, 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 um, you know, Daniel Jeremiah, Phil, I mean, guys like that, that have a good ear to the, ear to the street as you as i would say um you know if there's smoke there's fire and i think uh it's a guy that you got to pay attention to a little bit um you know don't i wouldn't overdraft in the sense of uh of of what we're looking for or what he can provide you know for the most part i think if you're going to get a guy in in round one they have to be instant impact don't necessarily have to be a starter but they have to they have to change the trajectory of your team right it's got to be a playmaker of some way shape or form even if it's offensive lineman by Laker, I mean, they have to be an impact day one starter kind of guy, right? So if I'm going to put that kind of investment, because it's all about dollars and cents to me, how much am I going to pay that guy? Better come in and play. And he better come play in a hurry. You know, early day two guys, you know, whoever we get at 40, 41, 42, that pick also better come and contribute. You know, they're 5-11 and 11 for a reason. 
You can't waste round twos on guys that might contribute later. You know, it can be a more of a long, a long-term um, projection, right? Maybe they come in and they're your, they're your CB three, but they got CB one potential, right? This is a guy that I think can be an answer at this position for the next six years. You know, outside of that, that's not, you know, you don't want to be drafting guys that early that can't come do that because of the dollar investment that you're going to make, how much cap that they're going to take, you know, your commitment to them. Once you start moving past that, yeah, you can start looking a, a little bit more about long-term prognosis. What can this guy be year two, year three? Um, the way that I would look at it and the way that it transitioned. So I, you know, I'm all about just in the end, you want to get your guys because that's how drafts are graded. We look back three years about what the player did or what they're doing right now, not where you got them at, right? No, that's exactly it. I read, I read something one time, it was years ago, that some GM, and this always happens with the good prospects, right? Some GM will come, come out five years down the road. Well, Tom Brady was my quarterback three that year. Uh, we just didn't want to take him because of the value in the second round. We thought he'd be there with our six. It's like, no, if you have that guy available for you and you think he's actually that good, you take him before the other team does. Um, I mean, the whole value thing what the Broncos do with OJ Mudia, right? Yeah. Ever all the, the rest of us were like, I wouldn't have taken that early. Um, but they marked him that that's that guy. You know, their belief was he, you know, he's the fact that he's here, he's our guy, he's our fit, he's better than any other cornerback on the board. Why risk it, right? That's our guy. Um, you know, they valued him more than um, Cushionberry, you know, because there was still Cushionberry and Hennessy on, on the board, right? And it's like you said, nope, I'm not going to wait anymore. I wait jeopardizing being able to get a guy that I think can come in and play. And I think that that's absolutely how you look at it, right? That's the guy that I want. That's why they got KJ Hamler where they did because he wasn't going to be there in the third round. Yeah. And we can wait. You know, this isn't Madden necessarily where, where maybe you can manipulate a little bit or or the cost isn't that great. You find a guy that, that is your guy that's going to change the trajectory of your team. You go get him because in the end we're judging, like I said, we're judging the draft three years from now. And it's just the names, not where you got them at, right? Did they come in and contribute? Yep, yeah. yep, yep, yep. Nice job, right? If I got them in the third round, even if we thought they overdrafted then, maybe they don't look like they got overdrafted now, right? I mean, J.J. Watt was not the 11th best player in that draft class, no. right? So, I mean, in the end, you know, they, they took a guy, and they got good value with that pick, but in the end, they're going to be judging on what that production is. Right. You got to be careful, though, because – if you miss, if you swing hard and you miss, then it, it can be pretty damning. Like, uh, like a Darius Hayward Bay for Oakland, for example, being a, a first round pick, everyone was like, what, what is this? What is, what's going on here? Um, you know, so, so there is, there is a fine line there, you know, it is but a ton of that. And I think, you know, I think JR probably can would appreciate this. If your scouting department's terrible, your information's terrible, right. And you are, or your philosophy is terrible. I mean, that's, that's your traditional Raiders. We value traits over players kind of thing. Right. But um, I think your, your point is right on though. It's if you miss, you're going to be terrible regardless of what value, you know, if, if I get, you know, maybe I, I draft a guy in round one that isn't a pro bowl player, but he's a guy that sticks with my team for eight years. He's solid. He does a good job. Is that a miss? Cause I didn't get, get a guy that's a perennial pro bowler. I don't think so. You know, I don't think that necessarily where you have to get, uh, studs at a position all the time because most of the time if you're drafting pretty soundly you're going to trip on a third rounder you know that's your everson griffin right or or um or that kind of guy that comes in he makes a couple pro bowls from a you know at a draft position that you wouldn't have expected that i think that that kind of comes with the territory you know and i i really like george payton's background i like that he's a scout at heart and i think with that i think he's going to have a really 
solid mindset and how he drafts and develops, which I think in turn is going to really hopefully should provide us some confidence in where he's picking a guy um, and how he's doing that. I mean, in the end, we'll see, right? Um, right. It's a, it's the proverbial crapshoot, but I think if you know what you're looking for, if you have a really sound philosophy, you're not going to miss as much. I think if you're a team like Oakland has been, or was at least under, you know, the Al Davis time where you're valuing traits much more than, than field production or tape. I think, uh, yeah, you're definitely going to whiff more and set your team back. You know, it's Paxton Lynch, right? That was a, that was a guy that got drafted on traits, big, strong arm, mobile. Um, you know, but, but really putting him through the grinder about what that position entailed set this organization back because we were, we were looking at traits and not the player. Yeah. It's that it's, it always comes back to the old, uh, floor versus ceiling debate. Um, and a lot of people like the Raiders are like you said, like how they used to, uh, they bet a lot on the ceiling every single year. They bet on the ceiling. Uh, and I think a lot of teams do that. Ego gets in the way things, things, Oh, I could fix that. I'm a coach. I can fix that. I just love the way he does this, but I can fix all of this. When in reality, you should just be drafting the best football players and then weighing the floor and ceiling. That's how I look at it. At least. You know, the more that I, the more that I look at it, the more that I kind of study it is like, what is the ceiling? What's the floor? Yeah. What was Tom Brady's ceiling? The best quarterback in the history of football? I mean, no one thought that when they drafted him, right? So who are, it's so hard to be able to project that. And in the end, you, when you draft players, right, or you bring anyone in, all you're doing is projecting what you think that they can be. So it's a little bit on like, you have to be able to do that. But what people fail to realize, especially is, you know, what's their work ethic, right? What's their competency? What's their desire? What's their coachability? If you add those things, I think that extremely elevates what their ceiling is, which makes me worried a little bit about Parsons, right? As a guy athletically, he can do everything on the field, which I think that that's what people think of upside, right? His upside. But if he's not coachable, he doesn't understand complex defenses, right? He has a minimal understanding of or capability or commitment to being a, a playmaker in these areas of the, of the field, right? He only wants to do this. And I don't know that that's true, but that's the way I'm projecting it. His ceiling is... You know, in a, it, bringing it down quite a bit because you, you can't maximize physical talent if you can't maximize coachability, right? And I think that that's really huge. And then do you have the, do you have the teachers on your staff to get that? And I think what, what we saw, you see with Tom Brady or Russell Wilson, right? I mean, his ceiling was not Hall of Fame quarterback either by, by most predictions. It's because we failed to look at that part, right? What are the other pieces that's going to help elevate this? What's their work ethic, their desire, their professionalism, to be able to maximize what their physical talent is. Yeah, that's it's very true. It's very true. It would be interesting to see how that changes position to position. Um, I think quarterback in particular is a position where you definitely can. Like, that's quarterback is such a tough one to gauge ceiling, like you said. It is impossible to gauge ceiling. As long as you have the baseline of things, your mental can get you above yep. other things. Um, and that goes with every position. Now, the athleticism does come into effect at a more steep rate, I think, at other positions than quarterback. Um, yeah, it's kind of like the further away you get from the middle of the field, right? Yeah. On islands, like you have to have the physical capability to be able to do those things. I, I agree with you. I think it's the only reason why Mac Jones is talked about as a top 15 prospect, right? Yeah. So the pic- we all saw the images of the dude with the shirt off. I mean, it's not like he's wowing you at any physical character, right? He's not Cam Newton, who's who's a freak athlete, or Justin Fields right now, right? Or Trevor Lawrence, who just, you know, you put them in a magazine as they look the part. 
But the other things that you can do, how you process the game, your anticipation of it, your understanding of the offense can go a long way. And I think, you know, that's why guys at, at receiver positions can last a long time. And it's Cole Beasley, right? It's a guy that doesn't wow you with his phenomenal uh, physical traits, but he understands the game enough that he can, you know, he's creating separation with his brain as much as his feet, right? But that also goes to his ability to work on his craft, right? What he's doing in his off time, his downtime, right? At the commitment to being great, even if your physical traits aren't necessarily putting you there. Um, I think that goes a long way, but I, you know, you don't want to necessarily, you don't want to discount traits, right? Because you, you still need dudes. You need guys that are going to go line up and be better than you. Um, but how they can max out what that ceiling is. A ton of that is, you know, what are they putting in? You know, what's their, what's their capacity to learn? You know, what's their desirability to be coached, right? How much do they want to be great versus how much do they want the dollars and cents? Um, I, I think that goes a long way. So true. And that's what makes out, at-home scouting so difficult. That's stuff that I can't figure out, you know? Just sitting here watching the film, I cannot tell. If I'm sitting here watching a raw player, like I mentioned that edge rusher, I forget his name all of a sudden, from uh, a Jordan Smith from UAB. Um, all the physical traits in the world, I have no idea what his drive is. I've never met the guy, any stuff, anything like that. And I think that's why I value floor so high because I know what you're getting um, with a guy like that. I can tell with a guy like you that you do put in the work uh, just by some of the movements you make out there, some of the things you do, you're coachable, certain things like that. It's an interesting conversation. Yeah, it's an an interesting debate. And I don't know that there's ever, there's a lot of gray area, right? You know, it's it's hard to, to determine what you're getting. I think, yeah, it's, you just kind of, it's hard to create the whole picture. Yeah. Uh, I have one more question for you. Um, And it has nothing to do with the senior bowl. It has something to do with the tweet that you sent out. I think either last night or this morning about uh, your your preference of potentially, I don't think that you've, you've made any hard uh, choice here, but Mm -hmm. uh, JC Horn over Patrick Sertan. And I think that'll be interesting to a lot of Broncos fans because, uh, those are guys that are in the conversation for a first round pick for us. It really comes down to, to certain. I really like him. You can, he's, he's like what we were just talking about. You can tell the floor with him is high, but yeah. the physical traits, I think limit him, especially in the top 10. If I'm taking a cornerback in the top 10, I'm looking at Patrick Peterson. I'm looking at these guys that I know are going to be shut down on an Island. I'm going to put you over here and I trust you against the best receiver. And Sertain doesn't come across as that guy to me. Along with him, not just being a great scheme fit with Fangio um, is why I'm a little lower on Sertain than others. J.C. Horn, I'm just now digging into. But man, is the guy a competitor. And I love that at my cornerback position. When I'm sitting there watching cornerbacks, you want to see him when he gets to – to pass breakup you want to see the hands go up you know all of that you want to see him celebrate you want to see the press coverage you want to see him really punch someone you know that's the stuff I look for in a cornerback particular for that position I guess and uh yeah I just really like JC Horn right now that's that's awesome well I want to say thank you on behalf of uh the doctor and I for coming on with us we kept you a little long so we apologize for that um and working through our technical difficulties (laughs) no worries i enjoyed it good well thank you again 
Um, and I, we will take a break here and we'll get you with your, uh, get you with our beer selection on the other side. So hang tight. Thank you everyone for sticking with us. We are back on the other side uh, with a beer and uh, arguably our favorite part, except that we're both back on the keto diet. And so we're just going to have to have little, little sips, but uh, a little sip is better than none at all. Right? Yes, actually. Yeah. I mean, it's better than none at all. And it, it provides an opportunity for us to share with, you know, share with the people That's right. what they should be drinking. Cause we're not going to be on keto forever. No, absolutely. Someday I will be off of this diet, hopefully, and I will be able to drink beer again and like actual like drink beer, not just taste beer. Um, and that day will be glorious. 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 I might have to make an exception on the Super Bowl because I don't really want to watch that game. Like I don't want to watch Brady versus Mahomes. Um, so it, to get through it, I might have to drink. Yep. No, 100%. It's just... It's a necessity at this point, I think, for yeah. Broncos country. Yeah, I think let's just set a target. We're doing pizza and beer. Yeah. We should carve it out and then regret things on Monday and then start a week. Yeah, I mean, that's the great thing is like a cheat day. Not going to set you back that far. No. And I've been wanting pizza for a while now. That was actually on my list for my last cheat day. And some reason, like when it came around, I was like, man, I'll do something else. But I think it's back. I can tell you why mine didn't happen on my cheat day. Why? Because my wife wanted something else oh yeah yeah that's hard when you're trying to balance that mm-hmm. when you have to like partner <laughs> yes quotes yep, yep yep i feel that i feel that pain yep. all cool. right super bowl pizza beer maybe this beer maybe this beer. yeah absolutely uh, definitely probably one that we have re- reviewed yeah one one that got a, an got a, a got a w yeah i don't know why i said an a i don't know we don't rate them that way they either win or they lose. That's true. We are done with school, man. <laughs> well, today we have a beer from St. Patrick Brewing Company. Yeah. Uh, appears to be out of Littleton, Colorado, though their can says Denver. So I just wonder if they're canning facilities in Denver. You know, maybe they're just, they want the whole market, you know, from bit. But the St. Patrick Brewing Company actually started out in Sonoma, California, oh. um, where it kind of began. So they rolled it on first, developing concepts from, um, you know, drinking different wines. I'm not going to go into them because I can't pronounce it anyway. <laughs> um, but they moved to much more of a lager approach, right? So they started with um, with producing really only, um, let, me re- let me start over that part. Yep, yep. So St. <laughs> Patrick's Brewing Company. Uh, started their their efforts actually out in Sonoma, California, 2010. Uh, so really just started brewing back then, dipped a little bit into different wines uh, and that kind of stuff. So fast forward to 2012, they really enjoyed their, their wines, um, but found that craft beers uh, weren't really available, specifically lager. So they really wanted to take a crack at that, uh, building up and kind of reinventing what lager beer could be. Uh, providing some of the freshest, high-quality ingredients. They felt like, hey, let's uh, let's go in. Let's build a little bit of some deep-flavored, complex, smooth beers. 
um, and Let's then do it. and then grew it from from there. So it it seemed to be pretty good, um, pretty good organization that really identifies some specific seasonal, um, you know, complex flavors, which is a nice, you know, it could be a nice break from your from your traditional yeah your traditional flavors a traditional uh craft beer yeah they have something called a tropical beach ipa that sounds delicious yeah and they had some really good stuff and so they um they moved into littleton that, that was their kind of their formal tap room i think that that's why that that is there but so they're probably their distribution site is probably uh somewhere in denver and so they got a beer garden if you um head down south south platte river in colorado so if you're in the denver metro area or to it uh, that's a pretty good spot. I, I'm a familiar of that area. It's a nice spot, um, pretty accessible. Uh, but yeah, they got quite a few fantastic beers to to go check in. We might need to grab this uh, tropical beach IPA for yeah, for, um, yeah. for the nice. Super Bowl because it does have food pairings, and one of them is pizza. Snap, snap. But today we don't have the tropical beach IPA. We have the strawberry blonde ale. Uh, it says, easy drinking, clean, crisp with notes of strawberry and raspberry. Uh, succulent strawberries are enhanced by the tart raspberries, apples, and lemon. The fruits blend effortlessly to create a full-flavored and highly drinkable beer. Uh, it has a little button you can click to see where they are selling that beer to- near you. So if you are interested interested in that. Um, also, they have food pairings, which I think are great. So for this one, we have baked brie. Lemon roasted chicken, dark chocolate truffles, chocolate raspberry mousse cake, and strawberry shortcake. I'm a little hungry right now, so whatever you just said, I'm. I'm yeah, it sounds like it might be a little <laughs> sweet because it's it's it is pairing with some mostly like sweet things. Uh, I guess brie's not sweet or dark chocolate is only kind of sweet, but like a chocolate raspberry mousse cake and strawberry shortcake, those are some sweet things. So yeah, we'll have to. Uh, well, let's give this baby a pop open and and see how it tastes. You ready? Yep. Ready for that pop? Mm-hmm. Good pop. Ah, a little overflow. We're good. It didn't go over the rim, so we we uh we saved it on the rim. I don't know what that means, but here's my little taste, and it is a little taste. And here's your full can. <laughs> <laughs> this is not sabotage. Cheers. Oh, some good, good smells there. Mm-hmm. Interesting. There's definitely it's definitely there's there's okay. fruit. Yeah. There's fruit. You know, if if that was in, in doubt, it is not anymore. <laughs> I don't think it was in doubt because I'd listed like six of them that are in there. Hmm. But it is interesting. Uh I expected it almost to be sweeter though. Yeah, it's not that's actually really nice. It's not um, the the fruit flavor is a, is enough to provide you with you know with a little bit of, of something new, but it's not overwhelming where you feel like you're drinking sparkling water or yeah you know because some beers try too hard to be fruity and then it just kind of ruins it right like yeah. it doesn't taste like beer and it doesn't taste like fruit yeah it just like you don't know what it is and you, you probably don't want it again. And based on like the pairings, my, my assumption was that this was going to be really sweet. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, I'm refreshed that it's not. And I think sometimes you see in craft beer, sometimes 
they throw fruit into something and call it a certain kind of beer. And it's not really that kind of beer. It's just uh, uh, an amalgamation of what they, whatever they decided. So when I kind of read that it was a strawberry blonde, I was like, it's probably less blonde and more strawberry. Yep. Um, but it didn't appear, it, it didn't taste that way. It tasted yep. like the, the strawberry was, you know, very present. Yep. Um, I think, you know, that's the biggest taste that I took away was the, strawberry but it, again it wasn't too sweet which is nice yeah it was it's a it's enough and you know the kind of the complex flavor like we were talking about it's enough to to give you a little something to think about but not enough that you that it that you don't know what you're thinking yeah and it's got it's got a little i'm still tasting a little strawberry you know and i took uh, one drink um so i think that that it, it's and it's not like a bad strawberry flavor it's just kind of lingering a little bit which is nice low ibu so not not bitter at all uh, five ABV, so you could crush a few of these and, and still be okay at the end of the day. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I'm going to give it a W. Yeah, I think it's a big dub. I like it. Um, yeah. you know, like I think we've talked about it. I, um, I, I believe that, um, you know, that, that normally that's not kind of the beer that I, I'm into really, you know, sure. Like, you know, stickler for what I like, but that's, it's enough that it, you know, especially a nice change of pace. You know, especially as the things get warm, we're, we're having a 60, almost 60 degree day here. Right. Colorado, yeah. I mean, we're in shorts. You know, it's not a bad day. It's like true. Both of us outside, are wearing shorts. Go knock out some, um, some strawberry blonde. Yeah, that's a, that is a dub. That might, we might have to, that might be our Super Bowl beer for sure. It makes me want to try the other ones for sure. Yeah. Um, cause they have a peach mango blonde also. That sounds delicious. Yeah, and this tropical beach IPA. Starter pack. Yeah. Yeah. If they, if they've got a variety pack, they might be. Picking that baby up. So I'll, I'll be doing some research between now and then. Uh, but thank you, everyone, for sticking with us. We appreciate you. Uh, hopefully you enjoyed this uh, edition of Orange and Brew with JR on the front end. Uh, we really enjoyed having him. JR, thank you for coming on. We want uh, We don't want to stress uh, – we can't stress enough how much – uh, we appreciate him and we just enjoy following him. Uh, you all should follow him at JR drafts on Twitter because he's a great follow and he knows what he's talking about. Yeah, Good stuff as always. Um, but everyone out there be safe, make sure you mask up, wash your hands, wash your hands and go Broncos. Go Broncos.